Welcome to the Full Minded with Elisabetta podcast, where my mission is to normalize the human experience. I believe there's power in authenticity and building a community immersed in it. I plan on bringing you on an in-depth and transparent journey of my life through solo episodes. I will also be interviewing a range of individuals who are willing to share their unique stories. On this podcast, we will dive into topics such as mental health, heartbreak, loss, change, trauma, self-love, and every other topic that makes up the human experience. While I do my very best to provide you insight and knowledge on these subject matters, this podcast is not a substitute for professional help. I am not a licensed therapist. I am simply a human sharing my experiences with the intent to help people feel less alone. If you are suffering, please consult with a licensed professional. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy the episode. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode. In today's episode, I am going to give you all the details of my recent trip to Asia, all the places I would recommend you go, the apps you need before you travel, the do's, the don'ts, the packing list, everything, everything that I know, everything that I wish I knew before I went, all the things are going to be here in this episode. And if you haven't listened to the episode where I share the experience that I had while traveling Asia by myself, you need to tune in. It's the episode prior, the episode titled The Trip That Changed My Life, and it might even change your life just by listening to it, honestly. All right, so for those that don't know, I recently went on a seven-week trip, solo trip, to Southeast Asia, and it literally changed my life. And I, I feel like that's something that people, you know, often say in their captions, like the trip that changed my life. I swear to God, I get it now. I was like, how how could Greece change someone's life? How could Vietnam change someone's life? I am a full believer that trips can change your life now because this one absolutely did. So I originally wanted to just go and visit Vietnam for the entire time that I was there because I was like, the country's huge. There's a lot of cities I want to visit. And I just wanted to give myself enough time to take in the culture and as you know, if you tuned into the episode prior, I ended up having to do a visa run, which led me to Thailand. And then just thinking about the flight home and how long it was, I figured to break it up, I may as well just fly to South Korea, spend some time there because I was recommended. It's like one of the coolest places to go. So that is how I ended up doing three countries instead of one. But yes, so let me tell you everything there is to know about Vietnam. Vietnam was my favorite. I'm already like so excited. I'm beaming just about to talk about it. Like it was amazing. Oh my God. So I will preface this by saying that I had never been to Asia before. I, I knew fuck all about it. Honestly, I did very little research before going on a trip. So one thing about me, like I don't really like to plan. It kind of stresses me out to plan. So like I booked a one-way flight to Hanoi because my friend lives there and then the rest was just gonna like happen like I was just like the the cards will fall where they may like I just don't I don't have a plan I don't even have a plus so I went into it very blind I had definitely had some help with the visa and the recommendations of 
you know, what to bring from my friend who lives there. So she's from Canada and she teaches English now in Hanoi and she's been there for three years. So she helped me a ton. And that is kind of what inspires me to want to help you guys or anybody else that's wanting to travel Asia because there are definitely things that you should know, do's, don'ts, all of that stuff. So before going to Vietnam, you have to apply to get a visa So you can apply on the Vietnam immigration website and you'll just request a visa. So right now they're only doing um, a month at a time visas. They used to do three months, but then because of COVID, they dropped it down to one month. So it's a 30 day visa that you're going to be applying for. Um, They're going to need like a professional headshot of you a picture of your passport, and then all your information. I did find it strange. I do ask your religion when you're filling it out. And I like kind of had a small panic attack being like, but I'm not religious. Are they going to let me in? Like, I just didn't know. Right. And my friend was like pissing herself. She's like, of course, they're going to let you in. Like, just put you're not religious. And I was like, dude, I think I'm going to put I'm Catholic. Like, I'm just like, (laughs) I was so afraid that they weren't going to let me in because I was like, didn't identify with a religion. Anyway, um, I ended up putting non-religious and I got accepted. So fear not for all the people that are non-religious or atheists. You're good. You can still go to Asia. Um, (laughs) Anyway, looking back, it's funny. But at the time, I feel like it's super valid and you just don't know. It's like a whole other country and culture and like, who the fuck knows? Not me at the time. Um, So anyways, I applied for the visa. Within a couple days, I found out the cost of the visa is only 25 USD. It's pretty cheap. Um... And then, yeah, you'll get an email with your confirmation and then you're just able to print that visa out. You have like an e-file as well as a paper copy. I printed mine out like three or four times just because I was like, just in case, but I didn't need it. I only needed one. But it's just smart to have maybe one in your carry-on, one in your luggage, one in your purse. You know what I mean? So anyways, my flight to Vietnam was from Vancouver to Hanoi, but we had one layover in Seoul, South Korea, which is why I ended up staying in Seoul before I flew back just to like cut that flight in like a quarter. So I had a layover in Seoul for, uh, I want to say it was three hours. The flight duration to Seoul was 11 hours, which is the longest flight I have ever been on in my fucking life. And I was nervous about how well I do. I have a bad back. I have vertigo. I have all the things. So I was nervous about how I would do, but I will be honest, it felt like five hours. And same with the flight back also felt like five hours. Like once you're up in the air, everyone just kind of shuts the curtains or the window blinds, whatever the fuck they're called. And you just kind of zonk out and everyone just goes into movie world and you just watch TV shows and movies and you just get fed snacks. And it's actually just not a bad experience at all. Also, the plane that I was on was massive. I've never been on a plane that big. I've always seen it in movies where it's like three rows. Like there's, um yeah, row of seats, aisle, row of seats, aisle, row of seats. And I was like, this is so cool. So I was just mesmerized and just like really stoked to get to Asia. So I really didn't find the first flight was tricky. But once I had my layover in Seoul for a couple hours and then got on my flight to Hanoi, it was definitely much worse. So I will give you guys a heads up that sometimes the Asia Airlines, Viajet, all those things, they're not as smooth as flights here. Like sometimes they're rocky. Sometimes they're a little budget. Sometimes they don't give you water or snacks. Like, but I just feel like it's just to be expected. So just make sure you pack water and snacks and you'll be Gucci. And if you're a nervous flyer, maybe take something for that or meditate and you'll be fine. Most of the flights are only a couple hours within Asia anyway. So it's not, you know, it's not that big of a deal. 
I'm a nervous flyer and I actually did surprisingly well on almost every single flight that I did and took while I was in Asia. So there's hope. But yeah, so first flight was good. Connecting was definitely more difficult, but mainly just because my level of exhaustion. So I have a hard time sleeping on planes just because I have an equilibrium imbalance. So every time the plane moves, I feel sick. So it's very hard for me to sleep on the plane. And by that point, I was exhausted. Like I had been running on, I don't even know how many hours, maybe like 19, 20 hours of no sleep. So I felt really nauseous on my second flight. But once I touched down, I was good. Um, so I didn't do this when I first got to Vietnam, but I wish I did. So you can get SIM cards in the airport as soon as you land into a new country, which I would absolutely recommend you do because the Wi-Fi is like shoddy at best in the airports and you don't want to rely on it to get like an Uber slash Grab. I'll explain all that. So I would recommend as soon as you touch down, get your bags. I would absolutely get a SIM card. It's super fucking cheap to get a SIM card in Vietnam. I think I paid $8 Canadian for 30 days of unlimited data. What the actual fuck is that? Like, I feel like it's highway robbery here. That is, that's like, I'm not even going to try math because that's going to hurt my head, but like that is cheap as fuck. So it's always going to be a little bit more at the airport than it is locally. So I got my SIM card in Vietnam locally, but if you got it at the airport, it might be double that, but even then it's like 15 bucks. It's not that deep. So that would be my first recommendation. The next thing I'm actually going to tell you before I go into any more detail about my Vietnam experience is all the apps you're going to need to download for your trip if you're doing Asia. So let me list those off for you. Okay. First things first. The XE app, it's blue and white and has XE on it. And this is a currency exchange app. So you can basically type in any currency and see what it is in your dollar value. So you know what you're spending, you know how much things are costing as you're going. This was very, very helpful. Um, The next one, Google Translate, for obvious reasons, I didn't speak any of the languages. So this was very helpful. And it's actually surprisingly accurate, like, I found a lot of the locals totally understood what I was saying. I would just type in a question into Google Translate, show them my phone. And a lot of them have Google Translate as well, especially if you're in like a heavy tourist area. So they'll like either take your phone and like you can switch the language at the top and they can write back or they'll have their own phone and they'll just be able to show you. And like you can speak into it as well and it'll translate. You can also take images like you can take pictures of whatever you're looking at or you can just hold the phone in front of a bunch of words and it'll translate. This came in like the most clutch when I was in Korea trying to take the fucking metro. That was like that was wild. I think even the Koreans were confused. Like it was a really confusing metro system. And there's just so many people in that city that there's just so many different like lanes and like routes, etc. But Google Translate is a must. Okay, next thing is Grab. So Grab is the equivalent to like Uber or Lyft. You can get you can get Grab food delivered to you. You can get a Grab car. You can get a Grab um motorbike, which I took the most because they're super cheap and I really loved being on a motorbike. I feel like that was one of my favorite experiences from being in Asia was both being a passenger and actually driving the bikes. So Grab is going to be your connect for all of those things. Um, Zalo and WhatsApp. WhatsApp, I'm sure most people know about, but Zalo is basically the same 
as WhatsApp, but not everybody has WhatsApp. So it's just good to have both. And then you can message people um, and you can put in whatever number you have at the time with your SIM card. And then the next one, which I had never even heard about before, but some of you may know, is Hostel World. I have had never stayed in a hostel before I went on this trip, and I had no idea how big of a platform this was. So it is so much more than just plugging you with hostels and sometimes hotels in the city that you're in. There's also a bunch of different group chats that you can join that is like you can join like the Bangkok group chat or you can join like Ho Chi Minh or Hanoi and you can connect with other people that are currently visiting. And there's a lot of people that are like, hey, want to grab drinks, want to grab some food. I'm going to the war museum, want to join. It's just such a great way to connect with people. Even if you don't choose to use the Hostel World app, you can still join the groups. So I would definitely recommend that, especially if you're solo traveling. It's such a good way to connect with other people that are traveling. Um, The next two, I would do booking.com and trip.com. Different offers, different prices. It's just nice to compare the two. And the next few I'm going to read out are very similar to one another. But I think just testing them out and seeing which one you love the most is beneficial. So like I said, booking.com, trip.com, Skyscanner, Traveloka, T-R-A-V-E-L-O-K-A, and Agoda, A-G-O-D-A. Those are all great for like flight inquiries, um, hotels, even like rentals, anything that you would need. Oh, yes. I just thought of another one. One to go Asia is really good for booking like boats, ferry rides, etc. Like to get from island to island. That's another really good one. Um, I do know that one works in Thailand, but I imagine it would work in Vietnam as well, too. Yeah, I would be surprised if it didn't. And then the last one I have here, my friend actually told me about it's called Splitwise. If you're traveling with someone or just even like in general, it's actually a good app to have. Um, so basically, it'll split all the bills up. So if you're like, oh, I'll get this dinner, and then you just like plug it into the app, it'll say, okay, this person owes you this much. So it's great if you're traveling in a group or with somebody that you're splitting the bills. It's just a really organized way of keeping all of your bills separate, etc. All right. So speaking of bills and finances, let's talk currency. So the currency in Vietnam is the Vietnamese dong. And everything is in thousands, which is like a little bit confusing. Um, They have no change. It's just bills, which is kind of nice. But the most everything you have to pay cash for. So just be mindful of that. Make sure you spot an ATM wherever you're staying. Make sure the ATM works. So you just kind of have to test it sometimes to see which ATM your bank will like line up with. You can also obviously get dong before you go. Um, I just didn't know. I did get a little bit, but I just didn't know how much to get because I didn't know what I was going to be spending. So I'll give you a couple examples of what things will cost. So for example, my favorite ice cream cone, kind of the equivalent to like an ice cream cone here at McDonald's, maybe a little bit smaller, was $10,000 there. 10000 dong, which is the equivalent to 53 cents Canadian here. I would imagine it'd be like 35 cents USD. Um... So very, very cheap. Grabbing a grab would probably cost, like on the bike, I honestly paid like a dollar to $2 Canadian for like 15 minute bike rides to and from. Like it's it's crazy how cheap it is. And it also just depends on rush hour and like different 
traffic times, obviously, like same as Uber, right? They'll jack the prices up a bit. But even then, like even the most expensive grab drive is like not going to be anywhere close to what Uber charges here. So that's amazing. Um, meals will cost you anywhere from $2 to 12, I'd say it just depends where you eat. So a lot of like the local and the really, really good places to eat are the ones that are kind of like hole in the wall, um, family run and just super casual. And then you'll pay. Yeah. I know like Bon Mi is at the, which is like a Vietnamese sandwich is they're very popular there. And I I think it was like 75 cents or a dollar for one. It's just, it's wild. Your dollar gets stretched very far in countries like these, especially Vietnam, because of how cheap everything is. So yeah, that was a plus. And I feel like it's convenient. Like that country is just, I don't think I ever heard no. Like they are willing to help you no matter what. Like even if they're out of something, if you're like, hey, can I get a mango smoothie? And they're like, I don't have mango. They'll say yes. They'll take your money and then they'll go get mango at the grocery store, come back, make it for you. Like they, I honestly was not told no once in the four weeks that I stayed in Vietnam. Like it was such an, it's so different. I feel like here people will just say no because like you'll just call your service provider and be like, can I add data? And they'll be like, no. Why? Yeah, you just can't. Hey, like what? I just, I, I, and that's something that's always really frustrated me about like Western cultures. I just feel like trying to get help, trying to get assistance for so many different businesses. And it's just like impossible. Whereas here it's just so lax and chill and it just works and it's amazing. And one thing too about Vietnam is like, you'll see the same store like five times in a row and they all are like thriving and I don't understand it. There's no trademarking. So everybody's just like called the same thing. Even at the night market in Hoi An, like it's just like stand after stand that has the same things, like probably like 20 stands and they all are selling the same stuff and it just works. I have no idea how, but it just flows and everyone's just helping each other out. If they don't have something, they'll be like, Hey, do you have this? Like, it's just, it's a lot less competitive. At least that's what it feels like from observing it. And it just feels like every, it's not every man looking out for himself. Like it's just a very much a community, which I loved, which is why, one of the reasons why I love Vietnam so much, because I feel like even in the chaos, so for those that don't know, the traffic there is like absolutely wild, but I live for it. So you've got of actual billion <laughs> motorbikes as well as cars and everyone's just trying, trying to get to a certain place. And I thought before I went, I was maybe going to be in sensory overload because of the noise, because of the hustle bustle, because of how many people there are. I was never once in sensory overload, which I thought was really interesting because as soon as I got back to Vancouver, I was immediately in sensory overload. And I think it's because the energy that's coming from the hustle bus over there is just simply everyone's trying to get to where they're going and they're, they understand that there's fucking 10 million of them. Whereas here, I feel like people have like a vendetta and they're just like fucking pissed off all the time. Like if you're cutting someone off, like that's probably going to ruin their day. Like I feel like people just carry road rage weight so heavy here and it's like personal. And I'm like, I don't know. It just feels ridiculous and childish. So I actually didn't mind the hustle bustle and the busyness of it. If you're a highly sensitive person like myself, I feel like if that's something you're worried about, but you're really susceptible to energy, you're probably going to be fine. Um, If you are a nervous driver, I will say that the roads can be very scary, but I just kind of let go and leaned into it because like 
it is what it is. And these grab drivers, they're fucking athletes, man. They can drive on, like, I swear to God, the side of a building and you'd be safe. Like, I never got into an accident on the back of a grab driver's bike while I was there. I didn't see one. And it's wild because you come so close to other cars and like there were so many times that I was like, hey, my knee's like about to hit this bus. Just remember I'm like bigger and wider than you back here. But nope, never happened once. It's just, it just works. There's not even a lot of traffic rules. Like there'll be a red light. They put lights there, but then people will still go. So I'm like, I don't know how this works, but I love it. So that's one thing to be wary of and maybe just take grab bike rides or car rides I just would recommend the bike because it's faster and I really loved the experience. There's like nothing better than just like putting your arms out and just relaxing in the sun while someone drives you somewhere on a bike. Like that was really fun for me. But if you're not into that, do a car. Um, but just know the travel time is going to be longer because at least the bikes can scoot around the cars. But yeah, I that was one of my favorite parts. But my friend who lives there, she doesn't like the traffic there and it stresses her out. So I think it just depends on the person and what makes you comfortable and what doesn't. So the first couple weeks of my trip, I stayed with my friend. Well, I guess the first week I stayed in Hanoi, I was just staying with her. And then the second week we went to Hoi An, which is amazing. Oh my God. I think Hoi An and Ho Chi Minh were my two favorite. I actually should list them from like favorite to least favorite, but they were all special and they were all amazing, but for different reasons. Yeah. Let me break down the cities I visited and why I love them. Okay. Hanoi. Amazing. You just have to go. It's iconic. It's the capital city of Vietnam. It's just, it's so charming and so cool and so cultured and so amazing and unique. And like, you'll just see it all. Like someone's just like chopping, a fish up on the side of the road after he pulled it out of the lake in flip-flops. Like, there's just, it's just chilling. Someone's welding with no shoes above water and no eye mask to the left of you. There's just, (laughs) this other person is, like, cooking food, trying to get you to come into their shop, which is also their home, and they've got their baby on their hip. Um, It's just unlike anything I've ever experienced, and it was so charming. The old quarter is really cool. Train Street I never got to go to, but I've heard really good things about it. Um, it's, yeah, it was absolutely beautiful. And I biked around that lake quite a few times. So I rented a bike and I think it was like $5 to rent a bicycle for 24 hours. Like unbelievable. So I did that a few days while I was there and absolutely loved it. Um, the next stop I went to Hoi An and that was amazing. Oh my God. The night market was like Disneyland times a million like it just was so beautiful romantic colorful lights you're gonna see people chopping up and like hand making ice cream on the spot you're gonna sell you're gonna see people selling skewers of chicken on the back of their bicycle with their grill you're gonna see all types of unique street food you're gonna be able to buy knockoff Prada bags Louis bags all the things um you're gonna have so many food options. Oh my God. So many shopping options. I had a painting made for me on the spot and it took them three minutes. That was really wild. You're going to have so many, I would say like out of everywhere in Vietnam, wait to get your souvenirs in Hoi An. I would, that would be my recommendation because they just have a multitude of them. And like other cities do have souvenirs, but I feel like Hoi An had the best 
night market and the best possible options for souvenirs for yourself and for friends. So that is my recommendation. So maybe even save that to last on your, like save the best for last. So yeah, Hoyan was amazing. And then we ended up coming back to Hanoi for a little bit. And then my friend and I went on a girls weekend to Nha Trang. And we had actually heard mixed reviews about Nha Trang. It is a coastal city. So it's very like big city vibes and also beach. Um, yeah, it was, I loved it. We didn't do any tourist things. I know they're famous for their mud baths there. And I'm pretty sure you can go to Monkey Island as well, which we didn't do. But we ended up just lounging by the beach and that in itself was such a fun experience because all the locals will just come by and offer you food and offer you Gucci sunglasses and paintings and like it's basically like a mobile market and you just lay there and people come up and offer you stuff. Sometimes it can get annoying if you're like have been bothered that day a lot or like you've already bought everything and you're like I actually don't need anything like I'm good but just say no thank you and then if they keep continue just like ignore it. But that was really cool, and it was nice and hot. And we stayed at a, to- a hotel right across the road from the beach, which was amazing. You just walk out, and you'd be on the beach, which was beautiful. And they also have a rooftop pool. There's a lot of places there that have rooftop pools because of how hot it is. And I honestly thought about listing the hotels that I stayed at, but there's so many that are similar that I think it's best that you guys just research on the apps that I sent you what would suit you? Because like what's good for me is not going to necessarily be good for everyone. Um, And they're just so cheap. So on average, you're probably going to spend about $25 to $30 Canadian a night at a good, nice, clean hotel. Um, If you want to do hostels, you're looking at probably $6 to $15-ish if you're doing a shared dormitory. If you're doing a private room in a hostel, probably $20 plus. So if you're traveling with someone else, it's honestly like just as cheap to just do a hotel room with you guys if you're splitting it. Um, If you're traveling solo and are brave, like pop off and go to hostels. I'm not there yet. When I did do hostels, I did private rooms. I just feel like sleeping is the most vulnerable you can ever be. And to not know the people you're surrounded with is really scary. And I don't even say that because I feel Asia is unsafe, but the Westerners that are there still make it unsafe, unfortunately. Like, the Asian people aren't trying to hurt you, but the other Westerners I would fear. So just be mindful of that. Like, if you feel comfortable doing it, do it. But as a woman solo traveling, I did not do any shared dorm hostels, and I wouldn't recommend it either. Um... Yeah, so anyway, Natrang was amazing. It was beautiful. We stayed in a beautiful hotel and it cost us 30 bucks a night. We split it, so it was 15 bucks a night. Like so cheap, right? And yeah, I really liked it. I liked the I liked the music. There was a lot of live music. There was a lot of like beach bars and like beanbag chairs everywhere. Like it was just really chill. There's a really cool club. I believe it was at the Sheraton Hotel. It was like the 42nd floor. And it was a panoramic view of Natrang. And there was like, if you follow me on Instagram, you know, there's like giant minions and teddy bears in costumes just like giving it. They're all dancing on the dance floor. And that was, I think that's the hardest I laughed until I met the Brits on that trip because that was fucking so funny. It was the most Asia. I loved it. I was living for it. It was really fun. Like Asia has some really cool clubs. If you like to club... Um, I would recommend you do it. Even me as a sober gal, I had the best time ever drinking soda limes and just like dancing with the minions. So <laughs> it was an amazing experience. I would recommend you do it at least once. 
And then, yeah, so from Natrang, I ended up deciding not to go back to Hanoi and just starting my solo travels. So I was really nervous to do solo. So at that point, I had been with my friend for the first two weeks and and I was about to leave. And I just remember, I remember how I felt. And I remember being like, I feel like I'm going to cry. Like, I am so nervous to do this, even though I can make friends with like a fucking gummy bear. Like I can make friends with anyone. I'm a very social person. I appear really extroverted. Um, I did drop an episode on my social anxieties that I have that are pretty extreme, but I will say since solo traveling, a lot of those have diminished because of how uncomfortable you have to be in certain situations that I feel like I just got used to it. And I was like, this isn't actually as bad as I thought. Like I faced a lot of my fears. So in turn overcame so many of my social anxieties. Yay. Um, but yeah, so from Natrang, I actually wanted to bike to Dalat. So Dalat is really beautiful. It's a little bit chillier, more rainy, more mountainous. Um, and I, I just knew it was like something that I, I wanted to see based on what people told me. Like I said, I didn't have a plan. So I was doing at this point, like my friend had planned us Hoi An and Natrang. But from that point on, I absolutely couldn't tell you what I was doing the next day. Like it was very impulsive and just whatever I was recommended or whatever I felt like doing or whatever what someone told me to do. So I decided to do Dalat like that morning, I think. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I think I'll leave for Dalat today. And I had read that it was one of the most breathtaking drives from Dalat to, or sorry, from Natrang to Dalat or Dalat to Natrang, either way. And I wanted to, but we had got hit with a really big storm and my hotel front desk guy was like, I wouldn't recommend you do it. I would recommend you have somebody drive you. So you can book rentals with a driver. People will just drive you places like on a grab bike. And I was like, no, I was kind of really looking forward to that first drive being a solo experience and not having somebody drive me. And he's like, then I wouldn't recommend you do it because the weather and also like you're not heavy enough for that bike to be held down on the road. Like if it gets crazy up there and I was like, okay, well, part of me just living in the moment was also letting people give me advice and taking it. So I just felt that was a sign if he were to be that, you know, persistent about it. So I said, okay, I'll take a bus. The bus ride ended up being, I think it was 300,000 dong, which is, I want to say it was like 15 or $20. I'm trying to do the math fast. It was really cheap and it was a three hour bus ride and it was windy as fuck, but it was stunning. But I will say we got hit with a massive storm when we were in the middle of it. So I was hella grateful that I didn't do it because that would have been really, really scary because of all the sharp turns and you're basically on the side of a, a rock, like going up this giant mountain. It's wild. So yeah, if you're going to do it, make sure the weather's good. Maybe make sure you do have someone just after driving it in a bus. I was like, that could have been really scary. I mean, I'm a boss ass bitch. I could have done it if I set my mind to it, but make sure the weather's good. So I got to Dalat. Dalat was really cute. It was so much more quaint and I don't want to say quiet because like, I don't know if there's any place in Asia that's like super quiet, but because it's just like always hustle bustle or tourism, right? But it was definitely more quiet than Hanoi would be. And that was really beautiful. It did rain the whole time. It was chilly. So it wasn't my favorite just because the weather, like I'm a heat baby. I love the heat, like get me in the sun, cook me. I love it. So it wasn't my favorite place because of that. 
So from that point on, I decided I spent three days there or three nights and I was like, I want to go to Ho Chi Minh City, formerly known as Saigon. And I had just been told by people that I'd met along the way that you're going to love it. Like if you love that big city hustle bustle vibe, you are going to absolutely love Saigon. And I was like, okay, let's go. So I booked a flight. And even like landing in the plane and just seeing the city, I was like, I already love it so much. So yeah, I would say Ho Chi Minh was, yeah, it was definitely up there. Ho Chi Minh and Hanoi or Hoi An, sorry, are tied for first place. So Hoi An was nice because you at least had beach as well. Like it was definitely, they had beautiful beaches, but Ho Chi Minh had some really sick rooftop pools. It was hot, 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 like super hot. So you just wanted to be by the pool. There's just so many things to do. Like walking street um, is just packed when the night hits. It's just clubs and bars and just people doing all the things. And it's so amusing to see and so lively. And I was just like, my jaw was definitely open the entire time. The first time I walked by, if you know, you know, it was unbelievable. So I really loved Ho Chi just because there's so many things to do. There's so many big shopping centers. There's so many things to look at. Like it was just very entertaining. You're never bored. So I ended up staying there six days, five nights. And I actually will recommend that hotel slash Airbnb that I stayed. Um, It was called Tea Up Homes. And it was in a building um, that was also like an Airbnb, a hostel, uh, apartment rentals. Like there were so many different things happening in the building. Like everyone just rented their own space. It wasn't owned by one person, if that makes sense. And the building next to it also same vibes. So the community pool was filled with just different people on like either full-time residents or people just popping in, people staying in a hostel, people staying in a hotel. Like it was just really cool. The mix of the communal vibe that you got. So yeah, Tea Up Home would 10 out of 10 recommend. Their service was A1. Like you could WhatsApp the the owner or the workers any time of day or night and they would answer. They were just amazing hospitality. And it was beautiful. It was honestly more like an Airbnb. I had a whole kitchen. I had a laundry room. I had a bathroom, shower, bed, like a getting ready station, a big closet. Like it was just, it was amazing. And I think it was only, I want to say it was like 40 something a night Canadian, which is a little bit more than I had been previously paying, but it was so worth it, especially when you're in Hochi. Like it's just nice to get the full experience. Plus they had a rooftop infinity pool. That was super, super cool. Um, for Hochi, I would definitely recommend the hop on hop off bus. That was such a cool experience. And if you do that at the beginning of your trip, then you kind of get to see all the places that maybe you want to visit. Honestly, any city that has a hop on hop off bus, I would actually recommend you do. It's the most tourist thing of all time, but it's actually just such a great way of seeing the city, getting your barrier, and then just deciding what you want to do, right? I would recommend you do the evening one because Hochi is so fucking hot. I mean, I guess it depends what time of year you visit. My trip was in April, which in my opinion was the best time to travel, at least for Vietnam, um, because it was just starting to get warm. The pollution wasn't super bad. It wasn't hot as fuck, but it was like as hot as it can get, but it was still very, very hot. So I feel like, yeah, April, May, good time to visit Vietnam for sure. 
But yeah, so the hop on, hop off bus was amazing. Walking street. There's two walking streets. There's one where there's like shops and stuff during the day. And then there's a walking street in the evening. The food market was really good too. There is like a shopping market. I forget what it's called, but you can just ask a local and they'll tell you. Um, kind of similar vibes to Hoyan, but not as cool. But it was an indoor like food market. And then um, you can buy like snacks and also like all the brand names, the knockoffs, all that stuff if you're into the shopping side of things. There's so many things to do, honestly. What I would recommend you do too is at the beginning of every city that you're in or before maybe you're, you know, on your transit to that city, look up the most recommended things to do in that city and then you can just read other people's reviews on what they would recommend because a lot of the things that I ended up doing were just based on that. Oh, actually, while you're in Ho Chi Minh City, you need to go to the fucking water parks. I think there was two. But the one that was closest to the tea up home is the one that I went to. And it was <laughs> a little traumatizing, but way more fun than traumatizing. It was unbelievable. I don't know what's going on at Asian water parks, but let me tell you, they are built for fun, not safety. <laughs> I was almost concussed. I swear I almost snapped my neck. But like, it just make sure you're supporting your neck. If there's any advice I could give to you going into going to the water park, if you're like a risk taker like myself support your neck for the love of God, because they can't understand the language to tell you how to like move your body on each ride, but just make sure you're hanging on to your neck. Um, yeah. And then you're good to go. If you support your neck, you're fine. The whole, it probably won't be as traumatic for you, but just expect very high speeds, like nothing like I've ever been to before. I've been to Blizzard Beach in, in the States. I've been to all the water parks in Canada. I love water parks, but this was next level shit. Definitely do that. And then definitely let me know that you did that because I need to hear your feedback on it because it was wild. And then, yeah, from Ho Chi, I ended up going to Bangkok. So I was originally just going to do my visa run there. So a little rundown for those that didn't hear the prior episode. The visa run you're going to need to do if you're wanting to stay longer than 30 days in Vietnam. So if you're not wanting to stay 30 days or longer than 30 days, excuse me, you don't have to worry about this. But for me, I wanted to go back to Vietnam. I wanted to spend more time there. My original plan was to just stay in Vietnam the entire time. So I ended up going to do a visa run to Bangkok, which is the fastest and cheapest way to do a visa run. It's what a lot of people do. Um... I was originally going to just book a flight there and back and come back. So here's another thing that you need to know. If you're wanting to not go stay in another place, you're just wanting to do the visa run and basically turn around and come back, you need to make sure that you have another visa prepared for when you come back. So you can apply for multiple visas if you want. Like you could sit there and just apply for visas like for today, 30 days from now, 30 days from then, 30 days from then. As long as they're collecting your 25 USD, they're Gucci. They're going to fill it out. You're going to get in. You're going to be approved. It's all fine. So as long as you make sure that that's lined up for the day that you're wanting to fly out and come back, if you're just wanting to do a quick lap, um, then there shouldn't be any issues. For me, I ended up meeting girls that suggested that I stay in Bangkok because they're like, if you love Ho Chi Minh, you're going to love Bangkok. And I was like, okay. So I ended up staying booking a couple nights in a hotel in Bangkok and then ended up staying a little bit longer because I ended up meeting British boys that were amazing and we all became best of friends and then we started traveling Thailand together for two weeks. So I'm not giving away any details about that. You're gonna have to listen to the other episode to hear how that went down because that was wild. But I will say my opinion on Bangkok is that it is not my favorite. Uh, Vietnam is still top of the list for my favorite 
countries to go to. Thailand was beautiful and breathtaking. I basically just did a little bit of the south. I didn't go north, but I've heard really good things about the north. I do feel like Thailand was a bit more sketchy in the sense that people are trying to very obviously rip you off. I feel like in Vietnam, I had had a lot of warnings, like people saying, be safe and be careful. People are going to rip you off. One, Asia safe as fuck. I, I honestly didn't really feel unsafe until I went to Thailand, but it wasn't really my safety. It was just, you could, you could tell that the locals were being a bit slimy and trying to like use you and like get way more money out of you. But I didn't feel like someone was going to attack me or like take me or anything. It was never that kind of a feeling. So, yeah, for for me, I just personally preferred Vietnam and the energy and the atmosphere. Thailand was still amazing, and I think to each their own. Everybody has different experiences, but for me and then the friends I made while I was there, they also didn't love Bangkok. It was so hot that it was hard to breathe, and it was just really dirty. It was really smelly, and I just felt like people were trying to rip you off. Khalsan Road is wild. Um, either you have capacity for it or you don't. I don't think there's an in-between. It's really intense. It's really loud. Another thing I would recommend is earplugs, actually. If you're going to be at these clubs, their music is so loud. And maybe that's just me being a grandma. Maybe the music's super loud here and I just never, I just don't club here. But yeah, I would recommend you protect your ears and wear some earplugs. For sure. But yeah, so Bangkok, I only stayed for a couple days and then me and my friends that I had made ended up going to Krabi, Thailand, which was the best decision we ever made ever. So we used the app One to Go Asia and we booked ferry rides and I want to say they were about 400 baht, which is the equivalent to about $15 Canadian. So very cheap and I think it was a two hour boat ride. Yeah, two hour boat ride. So we were in Krabi, Thailand. I forget the city that we stayed in because honestly, I thought the city we were in was called Krabi. So this whole time I'm like, oh yeah, we were in Krabi. And, but it turns out Krabi is the province. So geography is not my thing. I'm learning. I'm living like it is what it is. But (laughs) the city we were staying in, I have no fucking idea, but it was cool as shit. And I loved every minute of it. And then from that city, we ended up going to Island. So we took that ferry. It was a two hour ferry ride. It's actually a very smooth ferry ride, this one. And we got to Pee Pee, and Pee Pee was my favorite. It was definitely, hands down, my favorite place that we went in Thailand. And ah, it was just so breathtaking and it was so stunning. And the locals were really nice. And it was so small. Like it was small enough that it kind of felt like, like very homey. And it was just cool. There's a lot to do for nightlife. And then there's a lot to do in the day. You can go on boat tours and all that stuff. You can go to Monkey Island. You can go honestly do so many things. It's just breathtaking. I would stay like at least five days there, I would say. And then you're good. You've seen it all, you know, but that gives you enough time to like dive if you want. They have like really good diving lessons there, Um, which I didn't do because no thank you, but my friends did it and they had a really good time. Um, the boat tours, I would recommend if you are good on boats. I am not. Here's the thing. I am if it's not super rocky because I have, like I said, I have vertigo, which affects my inner ear. The boat tour that we went on, we ended up doing a private one, which I would recommend over doing like a group tour. Unless you're by yourself and you're just like, I actually want to make some friends. 
do a, a group tour. That's the best way to make friends when you're solo traveling. But at that point, I was with my British friends and we were just rolling as a crew. So we ended up doing a private tour, which was amazing. A little tricky because he didn't speak English at all and they told us he was going to speak English, but that's okay. We just did our best with Google Translate and yeah, the boat was super, super rocky to the point that we weren't even able to do like three of the stops that we had paid to do because of the weather. So that was unfortunate. So I would just say be mindful of that and maybe like just double check the forecast and check with them because they'll know the days that are best to go out, um, but also check with the weather too. But yeah, the sunsets on PP were amazing. Oh, they were absolutely beautiful. So I will say another thing too about Thailand is the time that we were there, which would have been May, was starting to be rainy season. So I didn't know that. My friends didn't know that. So there was quite a few days while being in Thailand where we were completely rained out with no sun, which was a super big bummer. So definitely research your time of year to go on your trip. Like I said, Vietnam, when I went April, May-ish, great time to go. Thailand, I'd probably go a couple months earlier. Um, I would like do Thailand before Vietnam if I were to go back and do it just because of the weather. So yeah, it was just amazing. Lots to do on the beach at night. There's a lot of fire shows, a lot of fire shows, which I am amused by. So I, I'm living for the fire shows. They're so cool. There'll be people walking on tight ropes while like juggling fire. And I'm just like, I can't even walk on the pavement without tripping. I don't know how they do it, but like I'm here for it. It was very, very entertaining. And then from PP, we ended up getting a ferry ride to Phuket. Woo! Okay, that ferry ride was fucked because of, again, the time of year and the rainy season and how stormy it was. I not only thought we were going to capsize, but thought I was going to, like, jump off just out of full panic because of how bad the boat ride was on my head. Not saying this to scare you, just saying... This so you guys can be aware when you're booking, forecast the weather, see what it's like, ask the locals, is it a good day to boat? You know what I mean? We made it safe. Everybody did. Um, but like you couldn't stand on our four-decker ferry because of how bad the waves were, how choppy it was. Like you just, it was like whoosh, whoosh. Like you were just hitting one wave. It was left to right, left to right. It was awful, even if you don't have vertigo. It was terrible, but we made it. We got to Phuket. Um, Phuket was kind of like Bangkok, but on the water. So for me, I didn't super love Phuket either. Um, it's a bit trashy, a bit dirty. A cool place to see. If you're going to do either Phuket or Bangkok, I would do Phuket, in my opinion, just because at least you're on the beach. Um, but yeah, wasn't my favorite. But I've heard people say that they loved it. So again, it's just personal preference and like what you're looking to do. If you are a big partier, um, I would say Phuket is, is nuts and you should absolutely do it because that's basically all it was. It was just pretty much a party island. So if that's the experience you're wanting to have, then yeah, I would definitely recommend Phuket. But it is intense. And especially if you're a male, actually. Usually it's the other way around, but if you're a male, like you will have a lot of the local women grabbing at you on that strip. You go down the party strip. Um, it's just, an, it's really intense and some of it is like very sad. So just like be mindful and like prepare yourself mentally for that. I will say another thing too, the difference between Vietnam and Thailand that I personally experienced is I found grabs so much harder to get in Thailand. Um, I don't know why. 
but it started even when I like touched down at the airport, like the grab just couldn't get to me. So I ended up jumping in with like a friend that I had just made at the airport. <laughs> and then that's how we became friends and started traveling together. But yeah, I would, I would definitely recommend if you're flying into anywhere in Thailand to make sure your hotel has some sort of shuttle service or have some sort of drive lined up already because the locals can definitely like gouge you for, you know, overcharging you for a ride. And Grab is a great way to avoid that because you're, it's like Uber, you're prepaying and you know the amount you're agreeing to. However, Grab is really tricky to get in Thailand and I just don't understand it. But I will say that there is an app called iDrive that you can get when you're in Thailand. And I found that to be a lot better than Grab personally. I booked um, a ride from my hotel to the airport to leave and he was awesome and they gave me water and there was just everything you needed. And it was a massive shuttle van for just me. So I just was like living lavishly and it didn't cost me much. I want to say maybe 15 bucks, maybe. So that was amazing. But yeah, keep in mind with that. And I feel like just because I was there only two weeks, I don't have a ton of information for you. Um, I will say a little bit about the currency. So the currency in Thailand is the Thai baht. And to give you an example, a hundred baht is about $3.75 Canadian. So your basic meal in Thailand is probably going to cost you about 90 to 150 baht, which is yeah, approximately 375 to 550 Canadian. So it is very cheap, just like Vietnam. Um, just depends where you go and whatnot. And I will say that the bigger the menu, generally, the food is not as good. So find somewhere very local, like I said, very hole-in-the-wall vibes, um, and just the smaller menu. Because there's some places that we went, and the menu is like an actual Bible, and it just wasn't the greatest. There's just like, there's too many things they're offering that they're not specializing in it. So be mindful of that. The food was really good in Thailand. The pad thai is like a given. I ate mainly pad thai when I was there. It was just the absolute fucking best ever. Um, but their Thai green curry is incredible too. I would say my favorite meal ever in Thailand was the Thai green curry. Spicy, but fucking fire. But make sure you go to a place that's like well-recommended. Um, and yeah, just like do do your research. I feel like we're living in a time, you know, and day and age where everything, research is just so easy. Everything's at our fingertips. So just make sure you do your research and find some good reviews on the restaurants and and you'll be all good. Oh yes, another thing that I actually didn't do surprisingly was get a Thai massage. I did get massages in Vietnam, which were absolutely life-changing. I'm pretty sure my soul left my body and then came back recharged. But the Thai massages I've heard are even better, but I didn't get around to doing it. So that would be my recommendation. I'm going to live vicariously through you. Please get a Thai massage and let me know how it was. I just had another random thought that I'm going to throw in here. If you don't already have Skype downloaded on your phone, definitely download it and make sure you've got some minutes. You have to pay for it. It used to be free. Good times. Now it's not. You have to pay for minutes, but it's not super expensive. This came in clutch when I needed to make calls back to Canada that weren't like FaceTime or Instagram or uh, Facebook Messenger related. So I had to contact my bank at some point and I had to use Skype because you can't call from like a Vietnamese number to Canada without being charged, right? So using Skype was actually very clutch in that situation. So do it. <laughs> make sure you have Skype. All right, that was my random thought. And now back to travel. So from Thailand, I ended up going back to Vietnam 
to hang out for a little bit with my friend and see her. I originally wanted to go to Ninbin as well, but I just didn't have the time and I really wanted to go to South Korea for the last leg of my trip. So I know Ninbin is on my list for next time. And also the Hazong Loop is super, super famous. So basically you take a motorbike, you can either be on the back of somebody's like a professional or you can just drive it yourself. And I think you can take anywhere from four to eight days to do it. But the Hazong Loop, look it up. It's one of the most amazing, most beautiful things I've ever heard of. I can't do it because my vertigo and it would make me too sick. But if you do it, let me know how it was because everyone that I've spoken to who has done it said it changed their life. So I, and I've seen pictures, I've seen people who have gone on it, I've seen the journey through their Instagram and it looks absolutely breathtaking, but it's just not something I was able to do because of my equilibrium problem. So yes, I flew from, yeah, so I flew from Phuket back to Hanoi. And then from Hanoi, after I chilled there for a couple days, got the rest of my stuff, said goodbye to my friend, I ended up flying right into Seoul. Um, I did notice that if you're flying from Hanoi, I'm not sure if you're flying from anywhere else, they were all red eyes, which was kind of a bummer because I'm like, the whole point is I'm trying not to fuck up my sleep schedule and I'm trying to like make my flight shorter, which is why I'm going to Seoul. So I was really disappointed that the only flights they had were red eyes um, because by the time you travel, you're basically like, I think the earliest flight I could have gotten was 11.30 p.m. You have to get there early. The flight's four and a half hours. And then from there, you got to get your SIM card. You got to get a cab. And for me, I ended up staying at the Yaya Hotel, which was a really, really nice hotel slash hostel. It was super cheap. I want to say it was like mm, 35, 40 bucks a night, which was the absolute cheapest you can find in South Korea because South Korea is pretty modern it's like similar to Canada in that way it's a fully developed country it's not like you know Thailand or Vietnam so everything is a lot more expensive I found so I would actually like plug the Yaya Hotel they were amazing he was amazing he had like unlimited popcorn for you to have to like made fresh popcorn every day in his popcorn machine he was he gifted me a bookmark he was just like the sweetest person uh the person who ran it but the only thing is I will say because Seoul is so big make sure you're in the heart of downtown I thought I was but it turns out I was a 45 minute subway drive from downtown which changed my experience quite a bit because I had to transit every single day to do all the things that I wanted to do. So I would just say, be mindful of that. Make sure you're right in the heart of downtown because like the soul hustle and bustle is where you want to be, but you will be paying more money. It's basically the same as Canadian prices. Um, the currency in South Korea is the South Korean won. And I found this was the easiest currency to translate into Canadian dollars, like in my mind, because basically you just take the first couple numbers before the decimal. So for example, my cab ride from the airport to my hotel was 50,000 won, which is the equivalent to $50 Canadian. So if it was like 100,000, it's 100 bucks. If it's 20,000, it's 20 bucks. You know, 7,000. Anyway, you get the idea. But for me, yeah, that was the easiest mentally to be like, okay, this is how much it costs. So yeah, like I said, it was a lot more expensive. So just, you know, be mindful of that when you're budgeting for it. But South Korea, I will say, was pretty fucking cool. Like there's always something to look at. There's always something to see. There's tons of food. 
like there's tons of culture. I feel like Korean people are just beautiful. They're very nice. They've got a lot of like they've got good fashion sense. Um, they've got a lot of style. And one thing that I did notice too that I loved is I feel like just from my week of being there and my observations that I made. I feel like there has to be less toxic masculinity there because of how like juvenile everything is. And I don't mean that in like a hit towards their culture at all. Like I actually really loved it. Like I bought some things with gummy bears on it because I'm just like, I like this. It's very, Korea was very healing for my inner child. But like even the guys, they'll have like fun little characters on their shirts or like funky hats and just like headbands that have monkeys on them. Like it was just really really chill and it didn't feel like I feel like if dudes were that here they would just get roasted which is fucking stupid because who doesn't like a good headband moment but like you know what I mean like I I really really like that that was probably my favorite part and then the street food was really good as well that's the only place I really like to eat because I found the other restaurants I didn't super love it I didn't love Korean food a ton just because there's a lot of deep fry I felt like a lot of things are deep fried. There's a lot of oils. There's a lot of oils in most of the food in Asia in general, I will say. But in Vietnam, everything just felt more fresh. More, like it felt right from the farm to your table. Like it didn't feel like there was any additives or preservatives. Whereas in Korea, maybe it was just the places I ate. But even like the street food, it was just very like greasy and heavy. So my stomach was really upset a lot in Korea. Whereas for Thailand and Vietnam, like I was pretty good with all the food that I ate. But yeah, I would definitely recommend the night market and eating the street food. It was just such a cool experience. Even all their shops are amazing too. I also loaded up on skincare because Korean skincare, if you don't know, is like the leading skincare of all time. Like that's why they all look amazing like they do. Their face is crystal clear. So I did get some skincare products, which I'm really, really excited about. And the woman who helped me spoke really good English. So it was perfect. I walked in there and I was like, I have no idea about any of the skincare things, but I need to start taking care of my skin because like I'm, I'm in my thirties and it's time. So please help. And she was lovely. So that was amazing. Yeah. And the shops are just something else to see. Um, I also went to the tallest building in Seoul. There's two different Seoul towers. There's the Seoul North tower, which you can take a cable car to. That was really amazing. And then you can also, you can also hike it which I did. I don't know how many stairs there were on that hike, but it took me a good like 20 minutes, maybe 25 to get up there. But the view was absolutely breathtaking. And you can choose to do like the gondola ride one of the two ways. If you're like, I don't want to walk down there. I'll take the gondola ride back. You do you. But for me, the, the, the lineup to get into the cable car gondola thing, it was way too long. It was like an hour and 20 minutes. I was like, I'm just going to walk up there and walk down before I would even get on. So I did that. There was a lot to see, a lot to do up there. So give yourself a lot of time. There's a restaurant, there's an arcade. There's a lot of, there's a lock bridge, which there's just tons of locks on everything. That was really neat. And it's just such a stunning view of the city. So that is the Seoul North Tower, but then there's another tower and it's just called the Seoul Tower, I'm pretty sure. And it's the tallest building in Seoul. You'll see it. You'll know. Anybody you ask will be like, this is where it is. And it's 136 floors. And the elevator ride is one minute long. Like, you just get up there so fast. It's wild. I was really nervous to do this because, one, I'm terrified of heights. And two, vertigo. And there was even a sign right before you get on the elevator that says, may cause vertigo. And I was like what is that going to do to me having already having vertigo? Like what? But I was okay. 
I was Gucci. I ended up making friends with these girls right before we went up and they were so cute. They're so nice. And they're the only people that spoke English that I'd met all day. So it was really nice to have conversation. And she actually held my hand and she was just like, you're going to be okay. And I was like, oh my God, I'm loving the universe is just bringing me people to help support me in my trials of this trip. Because yeah, there's some moments that were really challenging, but I was always with someone, which was kind of cool. It was nice how it worked out that way. But yeah, I faced my fear of heights. I even went on the glass floor, which I was sweating for, but it was very cool experience. I would definitely recommend it. The elevator ride was actually fine. They have like music and air conditioning on and just, it's totally fine. Even if you're afraid of heights, do it. Face your fears. Um, but yeah, so that was really cool. I ended up spending a day at Lot World, which is basically like the Disney of Korea, not as big, but there's like a lot of roller coasters, uh, a lot of virtual rides. And it was just really, it was really fun. It was really cool to see. It was the first time I've ever done an amusement park, a theme park, anything like that by myself. So it felt a little bit foreign, but it was just so cool. I was living for it. I tried some different foods and got on some rides and got some cool content of the place. And I, I just had, I had a really good time. And then one of the other things that I did that I really loved was I went to the aquarium. There's a fucking whale there, which terrifies me because I'm also afraid of whales, but I'm working on it. I'm, I'm working on that fear. I understand the psychological reasoning behind it. I'm really trying to like process it. Anyway, that aquarium was really cool. They had a lot of different sea creatures and it was just, it was amazing. So I would definitely recommend the aquarium. The mall that the aquarium is in, which is also the same mall that's attached to the tower that I was talking about, was unbelievable. There's like five or six floors and it's just beautiful. They have all different levels of like shopping and like budgets. Like I feel like they're good for anywhere from like H&M to like fucking Gucci. Like it was very, it's a very cool mall. So if you're wanting to do some shopping, I would definitely recommend that. I think it's called the Lot World Mall actually. And yeah, like I was saying, the Metro, the Metro was pretty confusing the first time. Uh, no, all the times it was pretty confusing, <laughs> but I will say this, Koreans are super, super sweet and helpful. All Asians are. I feel like they're just a wonderful, they're just wonderful human beings, but I will say Koreans were like super, super willing to help. If you had any questions in the subway, I would just be like, hi, am I going on the right lane? Like, is this the right? And they were like, yep, yep. They'd look at it. So just ask, like, don't be afraid to ask people. If they don't speak English, they'll tell you. It's not that big of a deal. You know, I really had to face my fears with social anxiety and putting myself out there and looking like an idiot because, like, you're just going to look like a tourist and an idiot. You're just going to stand out already. It is what it is. Lean into it. Embrace it. Um, it'll just make you grow at the end of the day. Like, it's not, you know what I mean? Like, it was actually just such a good experience for me in that aspect. Like, I just learned to... I just, ha I just have to live in the uncomfortable. Like, I just have to understand that I'm going to stick out here. I look nothing like these people. And it just is what it is. It's all good. <laughs> so with only being in Korea for a week, I feel like I do have minimal advice to give you while being there. Um, I will say the most used app for maps is not Google Maps. It's called Navermap. N-A-V-E-R map that's the best way that you're going to be able to get around when you're there. And like I said, the Metro subway is just the easiest to get around as far as like accessibility. Um, but we'll be challenging and <laughs> trying to understand all the things, but, um, 
it's amazing, honestly. I And it was like a dollar to ride each way. So it was also very cheap, a lot better than taking cabs. But I will say sometimes I did just jump in a taxi just to make it a little bit more convenient for myself. Um, but yeah, honestly, South Korea was really cool. I feel like you could spend up to two weeks there. Just really do your research and what you want to see before you go. And the thing is like, I really enjoyed my time in South Korea. I will say Seoul is something that everybody should see. But I liked, I preferred Vietnam and Thailand to it because it was more touristy. And there was just more activities to do that felt more like at reach. Like when you're doing stuff in Seoul, like there's things that are just so far away and everything's really expensive to get to. Whereas in like Thailand or Vietnam, you just walk at your front door to the left and there's just something to do always. So it's just very different. It's just a very different part of Asia um, that I was happy to experience. But after having been in Vietnam and Thailand, I, I think I preferred that type of experience um, and like just the prices of everything and the ability to do so many more things, you know, stretching your dollar farther. So that's my personal take on it. And yeah, so I'm going to leave you actually with a packing list of things that you will need to go to Asia, at least these countries that I've been to. I can't speak for the other countries, but I just would have loved to know more of this before coming. The first thing that you need to understand is in a lot of Asian countries, they have a lot of bleaching products in their skin care, in their like body lotions, in their um, creams, their body washes, everything, sunblock, everything, you have to be very careful. So I would recommend you don't buy any of those things there. Um, obviously it's like different. The Korean skincare is like, it doesn't, I made sure there was none of those additives in it, but like in Vietnam and Thailand, especially it, it's just unfortunately a part of the culture than believing that to, you know, be more white is meaning you have more status. Um, it's just really sad, but yeah, it's just something to be mindful of. So I would make sure that you absolutely pack your own SPF for your face and your body, your own body lotion, creams, body wash, aloe, etc. The shampoos and conditioners are fine from what I understand, but I mean, your packing list is going to look different from person to person. This is just basically a list I've curated of things that you should be bringing, <laughs> like on top of the things that you already want to bring, you know? Um, Hand sanitizer as fuck, the most. Bring a lot. It's not that they don't have some for sale, but just you're going to need it more than you think you're going to need it. There's a lot of the washrooms in Vietnam and Thailand that do not have toilet paper and do not have hand soap. So having hand sanitizer on you at all times is a game changer, as well as travel size Kleenex. Make sure you have a roll of toilet paper or Kleenex wherever you go. Trust me, there have been so many washrooms that I went to that do not have any of the things. So make sure you always <laughs> never leave the house without Kleenex. Um, Tums, Pepto-Bismol, probiotics. These are great for the upset tummy. Even if you have a stomach of steel, I will say it's not even so much the food that may irritate you. It's just like the new bacteria. like even the air you're breathing, the things you're touching. There's just new bacteria in every country. So when I first got to Vietnam, I didn't have an upset stomach from the food I ate, but I did say, like, I will say the fifth day, I got very, very ill because of what I'm assuming the bacteria. Like, I had body aches, chills. I was, like, very, very sick. And then the next day, I was totally fine. And I think that's just pretty standard. Even coming back to Canada after having been gone and adjusting to this food has been really, really hard on my stomach. So just 
prepare for that. Sometimes it doesn't happen, but for the most part, you will kind of get sick. Even going from Vietnam to Thailand, I definitely had a day where I was like very, very sick and I couldn't keep anything down. Again, just different bacteria, different regulations. Your body's just adjusting to it. Don't panic. You'll be okay. Um, but just make sure you have lots of Tums, Pepto-Bismol, and, and probiotics to help fight off that bacteria. Uh, any snacks you can't live without. So there are certain things that you're obviously not going to be able to find there. For me, Smart Sweets. Not going to find it in Asia, of course. Bring them if you want them. But I will say this. There is a lot more access to um Canadian, North American type food than you would think. I thought I was just going to be going there and eating like pho and noodles and that was it. No. Especially in the bigger cities like Hanoi or Ho Chi Minh, they have so many different Western like places and dishes that are just like home and taste very similar. So you absolutely can find like granola bars, banana bread, things that you just, I don't know, that I didn't think I'd be able to find in Asia. Even like Diet Cokes, like you can, there's all of that stuff over there. So rest assured, for me, I like having a little bit of home. I definitely immerse myself in the culture and try new things, but I also really loved like having pizza or like having chicken wings if I wanted one night, you know? Um, there's really good Indian food over there as well, too. I got really into Indian while I was there, which is really random, but it was it was really good. So yeah, anything you can't live without. Um, of course, any medications that you need to pack, make sure you like call in advance and get your prescriptions, you know, um, that's something I had to do and just be mindful of just having more than what you maybe think you'll need just because you never know what could happen. You might be there longer. Um, something might happen where you get stuck somewhere. So just make sure you have, if you're on prescription medications, make sure you have lots of them. Ah, yes, I have this written down, but I will say I did my entire trip without having any type of power slash cord converter. I don't actually know what they're called, the correct term, but you know what I mean. Um, in Vietnam and in Thailand, my um, phone jack, like all my outlets, were they were the same as here. So they would fit anything. So I actually didn't even need to use it. And then in Korea, in South Korea, the hotel, the Yaya Hotel, they were awesome. They actually had a converter already for you, at least for your phone. So I just, I didn't end up charging my laptop while I was there because I didn't have a converter, but I honestly was fine and didn't need to. And I was able to charge my phone every day and my AirPods, all that stuff. So yeah, if you, you'll definitely need one if you're going to South Korea, but yeah, if you're going to Thailand and Vietnam, you surprisingly don't need it, which I thought was very interesting. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I should share with you guys. Obviously, it's open for questions. So if you have any questions, shoot me an email or a DM. I'd be happy to answer your more tailored to you questions. But I feel like this is a lot of good general information. And yeah, it was amazing. The culture is beautiful. The islands are beautiful. Korea is beautiful. Like, it, I loved it. Honestly, I, I'm really looking forward to going back and doing another trip. But what I will leave you with is this, is just make sure you do your research before you go. Um, check reviews. I would definitely be mindful of, oh, I did just think of something. If you're getting like your lashes or your nails done over there, for the love of God, make sure you do your research. Um, I definitely had some botched lashes and some botched nails. It's not the end of the world, but if you like to keep up on your maintenance like me, like I like to have lashes and nails, it's just who I am. 
It was a little bit more challenging to find than I thought, especially acrylic nails. Make sure that they actually have like the machine to file them down because a lot of people will say they're going to do acrylics and they don't and they just have a hand file and they don't know what acrylics are. There's just like a lot of like gel polish. If you're, if you just need gel polish and you don't have like acrylic claws like myself, you're going to be fine. There's a place on every corner, but to try and find acrylics and to try and find quality lashes, make sure you do your research, make sure you check the reviews. I was a little like lazy on that and just kind of went whenever I needed it to wherever it was closest, which is obviously why I had that experience. But yeah, just make sure you do your research. Another thing that I did was follow a lot of travel pages on Instagram, like Vietnam Travelers is a good one. And it'll just like, there's so many reels posted daily about like where to go, what to eat, you know, all the things about the culture. Definitely recommend you learn at least hello, thank you, and goodbye in each of the languages, which you can look up on Google Translate. That just is just more welcoming to the locals. And I just feel like it's, it's just fun to be able to learn that. And yeah, I feel like if you've got any questions, shoot. But for the most part, I think I've left you with at least all of my knowledge that I can think of at this moment. And like I said, definitely tune into the episode prior before your trip because you're going to want to get jacked up. And then just let me know. Let me know if you guys end up going. Let me know if this is super helpful for you. Um, Let me know if you end up doing any of the things that I recommended. Like, I want to know. Send me pictures from your trip. I'm invested. So yeah, thanks so much for tuning in, guys. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Cheers. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. I loved having you. If you wish to support this podcast, please follow us so you never miss an episode. You can also find us on social media at Full Minded Podcast. Once a month, I will do an episode where I answer questions that have been sent in. Please visit our website at www.fullmindedpodcast.com to submit all your questions. If you wish to be a guest on this podcast, please fill out the form on our website to apply. Your continued support means the world, so thank you again for taking the time out of your day to tune into Full Minded with Elisabetta. Until next time, be kind to yourselves and remember that there is power in owning our imperfect and messy lives. It's all a part of the human experience and you're not alone in it. <laughs>